listening to Females in Fantasy, a podcast elevating the voices of women authors of science fiction and fantasy who write about kick-ass heroines. I am your host, Brianna Da Silva, and this is the grand finale, the very final episode of the podcast. Today is going to be pretty special. Um, there's not going to be an interview. Instead, I'm going to be taking down Jordan Peterson <laughs> um, on a topic related to female characters, which I'll get into that in a second. But real quickly, in case any of you missed the announcement about the podcast ending and are, are wondering why that's going on, the quick answer to that is basically just that, well, I feel like I've mostly said everything I have to say on the topic of female characters in fantasy, and uh, podcasting takes a lot of time. And it, it's it, there are other things that I'm uh, focusing on in my life right now, especially my own novel, which um, is really a priority for me now. I'm trying to get that finished and published and all that. So uh, yeah, just... It's time for time for this to end, time for me to move on to, to other things. So, Jordan Peterson, if you don't know who he is, he is a clinical psychologist, a public figure who uh, is definitely pretty controversial, was more, was more popular, I would say, last year and the year before. He's a little bit of old news now. Um, but there was this one thing that he was really famous for talking about um, that I've always been meaning to respond to. I was planning to make a video about it or something and just never did. And I decided, you know what, I think this would be a really fun thing to talk about for the last episode wrapping up the Females in Fantasy podcast. So this topic has to do with female archetypes. Now, Jordan Peterson likes to talk a lot about mythology and archetypes and things like that. It's one of the things that he has studied very seriously. So I have not studied it as seriously as he has. But despite all of the research that backs up some of his ideas, I found this one in particular to be very lacking. And in fact, pretty easy for me as someone that is not as well researched on the topic to uh, very quickly tear apart. So um, let's get into it. So what is an archetype? The dictionary definition of an archetype is it is the original pattern or model from which all things of the same kind are copied or on which they are based. Uh, so basically, that's kind of like a model of something. So you might have an archetypal story structure or an archetypal character you know the hero's journey is kind of an archetype uh might say the the mentor is an archetypal type of, of character um and there are lots of these kinds of patterns that we have in lots of our stories we use it most often i think to talk about characters and probably the most well-known archetypal character is the hero now when <laughs> when jordan peterson talks about the hero and it is true when you look at the hero, the kind of archetypal, um, you know, dragon slaying type character that goes out into the unknown and, and feats evil and then becomes stronger as a result. And, you know, there are kind of different variations on, on, the, on the archetype, but that's the general idea. We've seen it in all sorts of different stories all throughout history. And it's a kind of interesting story because it really is very universal. Like you find it in every uh, conceivable culture and in all sorts of different different forms. And it is true that, that that character tends to be male. And uh, that's something that Jordan talks about is um, that the archetypal hero is a representation, according to him, of kind of our, our masculine psyche. Now, as Jordan Peterson talks about it, and I think on this level, I agree with him that, um, or at least I think there's good reason to agree with him. There is there you will find kind of a masculine and feminine properties and lots of different people, even that's not necessarily a male-female thing, right? Like, you can find <laughs> the most masculine guy you'll find will have some sort of, you know, traditional female attributes, and we all are kind of a mix of both. But 
The way he describes it is that basically there are two different heroic archetypes. He describes the male archetype, the, the male hero, as being kind of more at the front of the, of the male soul. And then behind that is, you know, kind of in a secondary level is the, the female archetype, which I'll get to in a second. And, um, and then for women, it's reversed. And when I heard that, I was immediately like, hmm, interesting. Um, a little skeptical, I will say, just at hearing that. But, you know, I'll get into that <laughs> more as we go. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about how he describes the female archetype. Now, I, I will say that Jordan Peterson's a little bit unclear because he gives kind of a, a number of different female archetypes. And I think maybe the implication is that um, they apply in different situations. A few of them include kind of the, the archetypal mother, which an example of that is the, the Virgin Mary. There is the kind of sleeping beauty archetype where the, uh, the masculine, kind of like the masculine side of character is awoken. That's like another way of looking at the prince, I suppose. Um, and then the one that I really wanted to touch on, and this is what he describes as the primary female sexual archetype, and that is the beauty and the beast story. So basically, according to Jordan Peterson, the main, the least on a sexual level, uh, kind of archetype that is at the, the that is at the the depth of every female soul is this desire to kind of go and find this beastly man who is uh <laughs> it's hard to say this and keep a straight voice uh, it's hard to say this and keep a straight face to be honest basically that, that every every woman on some level wants to find some beastly male and, and tame him and that's kind of the adventure i'm oversimplifying it but he points to popular rom-coms you know where it's it's the kind of beta male is just failing to get the girl but girls are always interested in the rough guys especially those ones that have the capacity to also be sophisticated and civilized and those are his exact words and uh for women on a kind of a sexual level he says that uh they're less dragon slayers more dragon tamers interestingly the dragon here is a, a man um, now, I, I will agree with him that that is an archetype that I do think a lot of women do relate to. I mean, he's right. That's pretty common in a lot of uh, in a lot of stories. One of the best examples of that might be Twilight or Fifty Shades of Grey, both of which w were astoundingly popular and successful. But I have a few issues with this as being the, the primary female sexual archetype. And I don't think it stands on the same level as the as the uh, male heroic archetype. Furthermore, what I want to do is make the argument that he's got this wrong, that basically there are a number of different archetypes that a number of different people do relate to. And it's true that some, I would say, or uh, maybe are more common with women or more common with men. I'm not sure. But the heroic archetype that he calls the male hero, I'm going to argue that that's not a male hero. That is a, a human archetype that we all relate to on equal levels. So let's get into that. So the first issue is a kind of a deceptive popularity. It is true that there are a lot of women that are really into Fifty Shades of Grey, but it's also true that there are a lot of women that really, really hate it. <laughs> like, I think he's ignoring the fact that, you know, it's popular, but I would like to know pr proportionally how popular it is with, uh, with women as a whole. You know, like, there are a lot of women that like this kind of a thing, but uh, I'd, be, I'd be interested to, to see more stats on that. There's also the kind of, you might even say it's a toxic fetish, not necessarily an archetype. Um, in some cases, at least in some ways that it that it is uh, applied, you know, there are reasons that women are are right to hate this kind of a thing. You know, 
sometimes that these stories aren't necessarily good life lessons for girls. I mean, you don't necessarily always want to go for the rough guy. <laughs> it depends, of course. There is certain certainly something that that can be attractive for a lot of girls and women about a about the bad boy. But it's important to recognize that the, that there is a difference between you know a guy that has a kind of a is a little rough around the edges and and willing to he has that the kind of a healthy version of that masculinity where he's willing to stand up against things that are wrong and he's he's not a pushover right like that's that's very attractive but uh you don't want to be drawn to someone who is uh, you know toxic and and bad and maybe it has potential for being abusive and honestly a lot of the times the way this particular sexual archetype as uh, <laughs> as Jordan Peterson describes it often the way that it exists in a lot of popular culture is not healthy um and i think there are versions of it that, that that perhaps are, and it probably varies, but it's something that a lot of us criticize, actually. I think a lot of us don't think it's attractive. A lot of us think it's problematic to use that terrible word. And, uh, you know, there's some some diversity of opinion on that matter. Also, another issue I have with this archetype is that it doesn't go both ways. At least I, I personally can't see how it does. And maybe I'm missing something. But, you know, if we're talking about an archetype that is it's kind of in the foreground for women and in the background for men, What's the example when men are going out and taming dragons or taming rough males, unless they're gay or something? I don't know. I don't really get how that how that goes. And maybe I'm just missing something there, but that doesn't seem to quite quite add up to me. Also, these two archetypes are not equivalent. And again, maybe maybe they're not meant to be. As I mentioned before, he did mention several different female archetypal heroes and so maybe this isn't meant to be the equivalent of the male archetypal here. I don't know. But it is the one that he talks about the most. And it, it does, the way he frames it makes it sound as if it is the equivalent. So I'm going to go with that just based on how he describes it. The masculine hero, as he describes it, kind of the, the dragon slayer is more metaphorical, right? We in our, in our normal day-to-day life don't actually go out and, and slay literal dragons. But I do think that we have dragon slaying type experiences throughout our lives. And I'll get to that a little bit more later. But, you know, that's a great metaphor for a lot of different struggles that we have in, in our real real world versus uh, this female sexual archetype is uh, arguably more literal. You know, you can kind of apply that to the real world, like actual men that <laughs> women are falling in love with that may fit these certain patterns. And so because of that, I, I'm not sure that these two really are good. I don't really think these two met- metaphors, I don't really think these two archetypes pair up very well in the way that he seems to imply that they do. Now, here's a, here's a much bigger one than any of the ones that I mentioned before. Correlation is not causation. It's one of my favorite uh, <laughs> takedowns of, of a lot of irrational arguments. So definitely this is a common trope for sure, but so are uh, many other tropes. Who's to say that Who's to say that this particular trope is at all the reason why, say, Fifty Shades of Grey is popular, you know, as opposed to the weird sex and the appeal for the forbidden? Maybe, maybe not. Could be a little bit of both. But just because those books are popular, it doesn't mean that that particular trope is good or deeply feminine. The books are also poorly written, (laughs) but no one would say it's an an example of how you should write just because there are so many copies of it out in circulation. The popularity of something is not an indication of its quality or its universal truth. Also, it's not as common as the equivalent archetype. So the so-called masculine archetype can be extracted from countless stories in many cultures, time periods around the world. As I mentioned before, it's pretty clear that it's a a deep expression of humanity, something we will never get rid of. We We have it in all sorts of pop culture today. It's very easy to find. It's 
Frodo Baggins, it's Luke Skywalker, it's <laughs> it's Beowulf, it's it's all sorts of things. So this proposed feminine archetype is not so common. It is common, but not really in the, in the equivalent sense. It's not as easily extracted from countless stories from around the world, etc. There are plenty of examples of it being the cornerstone of trashy paranormal romance. <laughs> not uh, to dig on paranormal on paranormal romance, just you know, it's it, it's a cornerstone of of, of certain genres um, or a popular erotic fiction, but that's not terribly mainstream. Uh, maybe it's more common for rom-coms. I don't actually know because personally I don't watch rom-coms, so take that with a grain of salt. So, I have my own theories. I have several, and maybe they're all true, and maybe one of them is true, but here are my alternate suggestions for the female archetype and female archetypal hero, that is, and what it might be. So, first things yet. So, first things first. I suggest that possibly we can't even know what it is yet. If there is some sort of a female archetypal hero, I'm not sure that we have enough material to draw from to figure out what that would be. And the reason why is, well, a lot of the classic stories that we have of heroic tales written throughout the millennia are largely, at least as far as we're aware, written by men. There are a lot of complex social reasons why that is. Oftentimes, women in the past didn't necessarily have the ability to to go and write stories necessarily because of different gender roles and whatnot. But today, we're having more women telling stories. Now, <laughs> now because of this, our, our stats might be a little bit off in terms of the the number of stories being written, you know, that are expressive of kind of the masculine spirit and 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 those being written expressive of of the feminine spirit. You know, we the portions are a little bit off. So I think we need we need some more time of women writing stories in order to have enough data, so to speak, in order to really know if there's some sort of common common theme, some sort of common character we can all kind of relate to on some level. And part of the reason why I suspect this, part of the reason why I suspect that whatever archetypes we may or may not have right now are are not necessarily very reliable is because of well, this podcast and all sorts of different experiences I've had interviewing women, um, discussing this very topic with women. And most female writers and readers, there's this common theme that, the, that they'll bring up, and that is this dissatisfaction with media representation. Most girls and women don't feel that the common and popular depictions of women do represent who they are. And because of this, that's often what motivates them to go and write their own stories in order to write things that do reflect who they are. And so, you know, it's it's not really reflecting what's in ourselves, many of the stories that are out there. And so when women do go and write their own stories, it's true, you do get things like Fifty Shades of Grey, of course, but you also get Wonder Woman. You also get the 2008 She-Ra. You also get Tamora Pierce, get The Hunger Games. And on this topic, I decided, you know what, I'm going to do a little bit of my own research. I, I wonder if Jordan Peterson did this research because, well, to be blunt, it wasn't hard. I just kind of Googled it. So I found out what some of the most popular feature films are that feature female characters. Now, the quick little thing to mention here is that women and girls in general, <laughs> the female human beings, <laughs> are 50% of moviegoers. So it's safe to assume, I think, that the, the movies with female characters that are most popular are popular with men and women. Now, of course, we'd have to look at each individual movie to, to know the percentage of, you know, if it's more men watching it or more women, sure. But generally speaking, since women are 50% of moviegoers, broadly speaking, this is probably a good representation of both what, what resonates with men and women. So with that note, 
the very first, at least according to um, an April 2015 article from Glamour um, that was ranking all these movies. So it's a little bit outdated. But at that time, the very, <laughs> I love this, the very most popular movie with female characters was Frozen. Now I'm laughing because Jordan Peterson hates Frozen. He hates it so much. It's really weird. Google uh, Jordan Peterson Frozen and you'll just hear him ranting about how it's this like propaganda movie and it's i don't know i think he thinks it's overly feminist or something i don't know i don't know what his problem with it is it's really weird it's very it's a very irrational like hatred of this movie and it's very very popular so so i wonder about that because if his argument is that you know the popularity of a story is a good indication that the tropes within it are representation of what females actually like well then <laughs> well then frozen's a good example of what girls really like i mean at least little girls for sure i mean and that story does not does not at all represent his archetype, his proposed archetype. I think that's why he hates it. Um, it's it's definitely a story about uh, the heroes. Of course, are are both of the girls, the sisters, but it's the kind of the bad guy. That's the one you don't want to trust. The bad boy is the one that ends up being the villain. Spoiler alert! And uh, the the love interest is this really like soft, adorable guy. He's not really your your super masculine hero, but he's amazing. Anyway. This, this story resonated with girls. Let's see. So at that time, 2015, the second most popular movie with a female character was Alice in Wonderland. Um, I think that was a live action one. Third one, Hunger Games Catching Fire. So, so far, we're still not seeing any of his proposed female archetypes. These are all more or less the classic, quote unquote, male hero, only it's women. Huh. Very fascinating. Um, so Catching Fire, that <laughs> it uh, grossed a... $864 million. So it's just a little bit more than uh, Star Wars Episode Three: The Revenge of the Sith. Just a little bit less than Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. So, you know, <laughs> it's these really popular heroes that, uh, that were male. There's also this really popular one that was female. Pretty similar archetype. Very fascinating. Number four was Maleficent. Number five, The Hunger Games, Mockingjay. Number six, Gravity. And then number seven, finally, we get to Twilight. And then uh, the next few, few ones are Twilight. And then the Hunger Games. And then Mamma Mia, Tangled. Finally, number 13, Fifty Shades of Grey. So anyway, that's just really interesting to me because Frozen is at number one and uh, 13 is Fifty Shades of Grey. So that kind of doesn't support Jordan Peterson's idea here, I don't think. I also found a, a Goodreads list. So if you're not sure what Goodreads is, it's a, it's a social media site basically for, for books. <laughs> Books, they will make their own accounts and create uh, posts. No, it's, social, it's a social media site for book readers, obviously, and uh, it, it's a very popular place for reviews of books. And, and another thing people will do is they'll create these lists and the community can, can vote upon them and whatnot. And uh, so I found this list for popular female protagonist books. And the, the, number one, <laughs> the number one book on this list was The Hunger Games. Number two, Catching Fire. Number three, Mockingjay. Number four, Divergent. Number five, The Handmaid, Handmaid's Tale. And then we have Pride and Prejudice. So Pride and Prejudice, uh, I feel like Pride and Prejudice maybe is a kind of softer version of um, Jordan Peterson's archetype. I, I had to think about that, but I, I think that one kind of fits, at least on some level. Um, and then uh, we've got The Fault in Our Stars, which is a very different kind of a story. Cinder, Jane Eyre, and then you go, oh, then there's The Book Thief, The Golden Compass, and then number 12 is Twilight. So interesting. It's I mean, obviously, this archetype is very popular. He's right. But I, I don't think it's the most 
popular archetype with girls and women. I don't know. Evidence doesn't seem to support that very well. And so then another interesting thing I wanted to look up is what kind of stories are women telling? I mean, if you've been listening to this podcast, you already have a kind of an idea of of some of the stories that women are telling and, and some of the reasons why women are telling stories, which, as I mentioned before, is often because we're not actually uh, very content with the stories that are being told about us. So I, I looked up the highest grossing uh, movie of all time by a female director, and this is a little bit more recent than that first list I mentioned. In 2017, that was Wonder Woman, $713.9 million. Um, number four was Fifty Shades of Grey. Number six was Twilight. So, uh, oh, that's very interesting. Okay, so that was my, my first recommendation or my first suggestion as a response to him is that we can't know necessarily what, uh, what the female archetype is, is because we're still, women are still writing their stories and uh, they haven't written probably as many as men have. And so we still, we still got a lot to work with there. Number two, I would suggest that there isn't a single feminine equivalent. Now, arguably, perhaps that's not what he's saying anyway, although it's kind of, again, it's kind of hard to tell. <laughs> Depends on which interview with him or video you're, you're watching. But my personal gripes with that trope aside, and it, it, maybe it is an archetype, but if so, it certainly isn't the only one. And uh, as many find it distasteful, <laughs> maybe there's more out there, more archetypes that we need to extract and discover. Uh, there could be multiple um, and we don't know what they are, but, you know, so that, that's another that's another possibility. So number three, this is the one that I really want to emphasize the most. Maybe the delineation between female archetype, male archetype in terms of these heroes, maybe it isn't so stark. Maybe that hero I mentioned before is, is not exclusively masculine. Maybe it's only been portrayed exclusively as male, more or less. Maybe it's only been portrayed as mostly male for social and cultural reasons rather than biological ones. You know, there are pragmatic reasons. There have been gender roles and division of labor and spaces for many millennia. And, you know, we know why that is. It was kind of a practical way to share labor and to get things done. And there, there were times in history when it probably would have been unthinkable to put women in a dragon-slaying role. It would have kind of seemed silly because most women in many societies weren't the ones going out and, and doing those kinds of things. And, and then also, as I mentioned before, it was mostly men writing these stories. And so society was more likely to allow an opening for, for men to write those kinds of stories that they wanted to tell. Or maybe there are still the two different, you know, there's a, a masculine hero archetype and a few feminine heroic archetype, but, but maybe they're just not as different as Jordan Peterson supposes. The feminine archetype could be almost the same, but with some slight differences. And it'd be interesting to think about that to see what, what, the, what that might be. Um, and to be honest, I do kind of suspect it might be something like that. Now, here's, here's one thing that I want to end this on. So if there is feminine heroic archetype, it's definitely not one that revolves around guys. Okay. So it's interesting that the masculine hero is one that's, you know, you're going out into the world and you're, it's one, it's one where you're going out and facing the unknown. And, and then the feminine one, it's like you're, you're taming a guy. <laughs> I don't know why all these archetypes that, that uh, usually men assume for women are, are surrounded by guys. You know, it's like either they're, it either has to do with other, with guys or it has to do with childbirth. That was the, you know, the other archetype he mentioned. And, um, I mean, seriously? <laughs> It's kind of demeaning in a way. You know, I think I think even women who are attracted to that kind of a, an idea that, that that find that that sexual archetype that he mentioned to, to be attractive, you know, even them, I think they would want to 
think at the end of the day, they want something better where they are more their own entity and they have some control over their own fate and they're not, it's not oriented around another person, especially not around a, around a man. Anyway, my two cents there. But those are all my suggestions. But you know what I really think? That I really, really think, and I'm biased in this way because I know for me personally, when he described those kinds of, the, the two different souls of the man and the woman and how for the man, this, the dragon slayer comes first and then the dragon tamer is kind of behind it or maybe it's the mother or whatever. And, and then for the woman, there's this feminine archetype that kind of comes at the front of the soul and then kind of in the background, there's this dragon slaying part of us. Well, you know, I don't relate to that at all, Jordan Peterson. I know with absolute certainty that the dragon slayer archetype is totally my soul. I mean, that's completely... The kind of person I am that definitely comes to the front if we're going to use the kind of language that you're using here. So, I mean, maybe I'm I could be an exception. It's possible. I'm not really the most feminine of women. This is true. Maybe most women are not like me in that way. It's possible. But the mere fact that this does not apply to me shows that this is on one level not universal and on another level, I don't know, I just think it's bullshit. I'd be really curious, of course, to hear what other women have to think about this. I'd, I'd love to uh, to hear from you guys if you have further thoughts on it and if, if you're able to relate to some of these archetypes one way or another. But but honestly, I think splitting this into masculine and feminine is not productive. And I don't think that's really re- reflective of of how humanity works. In my opinion, the hero's journey and the kind of the classic heroic character is not a masculine thing it's it's a human thing like i mentioned before it is it's an archetype and it's a, it's a metaphor for how we go about our lives we don't all have dragons to slay but we all have really difficult things that we have to do in our lives and, and things that seem like they are beyond us and things that just seem impossible but what does it take to overcome them i mean it's the hero's journey there's always a little bit of a sense of unfairness like this has fallen upon me why me well this is your life and you have to make the best of it and if you're able to rise up to the challenge, you're going to become stronger out of that and, and you grow as a person. And I mean, we all go through the hero's journey throughout our lives multiple times. Anytime we have some great dragon to slay, which is some terrible thing that happens in our life or some monumental challenge. And I mean, really, life is an adventure. And I think that's the reason why this kind of an archetype really resonates with us is because it's what we do. <laughs> that's what it means to be human on some level. There's a lot of things about the human experience, but this is clearly one of those ones that's very universal. And uh, for what it's worth, I really don't think it has anything to do with being a man or a woman. I think the reason why we're seeing more and more of this archetype in female roles is just simply because society has shifted in a way that we can we can show women being these kinds of heroes. And it doesn't seem so out of place. You know, women are doing all sorts of things that they didn't used to do in society. And so are men. <laughs> My prediction is that as women continue to tell their stories, we're going to have more Frozens. We're going to have more Hunger Games. Yes, we'll have more Fifty Shades of Grey, but I think proportionally speaking, the classic heroic narrative that Jordan Peterson thinks applies just mainly to men, I think applies to all of us. And I think we're going to continue to see it in, uh, in all sorts of different people and in all sorts of different identities. And you know what? That's something I'm excited about. That's something I look forward to. This has been the Females in Fantasy Podcast. I am Brianna Da Silva. Thanks for listening. 